All right, Rakesh, put up Galatians 5. We're going to start in verse 16. Uh, so what I'm going to share this morning, I've shared, I shared it, uh, the evening service at Anchor. And, um, you can listen. We're making our way through the fruit of the Spirit. So, uh, first week we just, or what I'm going to share this morning is just an overview of Galatians 5. And then last, well, not last week, the week before, I shared about love. Um, this week, tonight, I'm going to share about joy. And so if you want to catch up with any of the other podcasts, oh, that's Don's microphone. <laughs> you can turn off Don's microphone. <clears throat> um, then you can catch up on the podcast uh, in, in the evening service. So Galatians 5, starting at verse 16, I'm in ESV. If we want to stand, we can read it together. Okay. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you for your word. And let it breathe life into us this morning. Let us hear it and let it be change, let it change us, God, that we might be more like your image, the image that you proclaimed through your son Jesus, God, and everything that he did for us, God, when we didn't deserve it for his sacrifice. So God, this morning we just give you this time, this service. Let your gospel be proclaimed in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, how many people, we're still in January, so how many people did uh, resolutions this year? Anybody? There's one. Anyone else doing? And how many have utterly failed them? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, I was thinking about when I first put this together, um, what do we do as Christians uh, with resolutions? So we know that most of us humans are not always very good at keeping resolutions, and they typically last a few weeks. Maybe a day, a few minutes in my case usually. <laughs> uh, and what does the word resolution mean? Well, it means, according to Webster's, it's a firm decision to do or not do something. To have resolve. We make a choice to make things better, to reach certain goals. And like I said in The Sound of Music, climb every mountain. <laughs> All those things that it says. Um, but for us as Christians... Um, what should a Christian resolution look like? Well, I think we should have, re have a resolve to live by faith. Uh, we need to achieve our goals by faith. It says in Habakkuk 2, the just 
shall live by faith. And in Romans 1.17, for in, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. In Galatians 3.11, it says it again, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. <clears throat> now we often think we're incapable of reaching uh, the life that's full of what we've just read in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit. Now, we don't believe sometimes that we can love or have patience. We ha find it really hard to be kind or have self-control. Um, we're not going to talk this morning about some magic formula or uh, to make these things within us grow uh, or a certain set of rules. Um, no, we're gonna, we're, we have to learn how to grow into these things. You know, this is kind of a standard that's set before us with all these fruit, and we have to grow into them. In First Peter 2, 2, it says, Like a newborn infant, how they long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. So we grow up into salvation. Um, have you noticed, um, especially with boys, I have one, how many have boys? <laughs> well, they may be only three feet tall, but they've got these big, huge feet. Big hands, big feet sometimes, and they're constantly tripping over them, stepping over, stepping and tripping on things. Um, so, well, what do we usually say about them when we see them? Well, don't worry, they'll grow into their feet. <laughs> uh, we certainly hope they do, right? Or they're going to be looking pretty silly with big feet being three feet tall <laughs> forever. So, um, here's another way to think about it. Um, have you noticed that how the Bible is full of full of imagery about plant life, mustard seeds, lilies, all those things. It's probably because it's probably one of the most perfect ways to describe who we are in Christ, right? Let's think about it. A fruit tree, or any tree for that matter, um, apple tree, acorn tree, has the potential, that one little seed has the potential to grow into this big tree that feeds hundreds, if it's an apple tree, um, one seed can grow into thousands of trees and cover the whole earth. So that one seed, even though it's small, has infinite potential to do pretty amazing things. It's already in there. Everything that, that, that seed can be, it's already inside the seed, right? It's all in there like Prego. <laughs> The potential of that seed was there right from the beginning. It's not going to be something it wasn't created to be. But it will be what it was designed to be. So I think that's amazing to think about because it's the same with us. God's divine nature is already within us. If we're being transformed into His image, then He has put the fruit of the Spirit within us already. It's already there. We just have to grow up. We have to grow into it. We've got to plant our roots. And we'll grow into a tree that can feed thousands. <clears throat> By grace, through faith, we have those things that it says we have. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. And so what we've been talking about at Anchor um, is we're going to go, we were, we've been going through the passage and look at these fruits and the potential that we have to experience and walk in love. 
What is the joy we can have? What's the peace we can have? What does patience look like? Okay? So we're going to look today just at the outline of this passage. Um, and then if you want to listen to the podcast or come to Anchor, we're going to keep digging in and take each one of these fruit. So there's three sections of this passage. In the first section, it tells us not to give in to fleshly desires or to sinful nation, nature. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law, so we need to live by the spirit. Now then it goes on to tell us the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evidence, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So it's, it's telling us uh, from the get-go that we have two natures that reside within us. It's the fleshly nature, the sinful nature, or the spiritual nature that God has given. When Paul is talking about the flesh, he's not talking about necessarily the physical body. I mean, I hope we all know that. What he, what he, we have a tendency, I think, in, in the world today that we, um, we excuse our sinfulness. Um, I was born this way, so that's why I act this way. Okay? Um, we think that's being sexually immoral, it's a body thing. Or drunkenness. It's just something that people do. He's also talking about, in this, in this verse, he's talking about envy and strife and jealousy. Well, that's, those things aren't physical. Um, when he's talking about the flesh, he's talking about the whole person. Their mind, their body, their soul. The bent of the person to do certain things. Um, we have a nature that is bent Unfortunately, on rebellion against God. When we become Christians, uh, the struggles with our own nature, nature don't stop. They just become more focused. Uh, before we were saved, we were rebelling against God. And now that we are saved, we're at war with our flesh and no longer with God. It's a shift in how the fight takes place. Okay? This can sometimes be hard for the world to understand. Um, well, it can be hard for me to understand. Sometimes we get, uh, the church gets called all the time, we're a bunch of hypocrites, because we still struggle with the flesh. Well, that doesn't, I don't know why the world thinks that's going to change just because we start coming to church. That war is, is, an, is a war that's going to keep coming. It's going to be something that we fight with. Each day, there'll be a new level you know, we might conquer one thing and then there's going to be something else that's going to come up and we're going to be constantly in this stage. It's a, it's a race we run. Here's the difference. Before, before we are saved, we can move through this life, all right? But it's kind of like driving a car without wheels. <laughs> the car moves forward without rubber wheels, right? <clears throat> but it's pretty messy and noisy. And eventually your life in the car kind of falls apart. Uh, when we accept Christ and his salvation, it's like putting wheels on. You know, the car starts to move a little bit better, but unfortunately, there's now a backseat passenger. Actually, there's two of them. <laughs> you got the Spirit of God and your old flesh, the fleshy nature, both sitting in the back seat, telling you which way to go. All right, so it might be easier to drive now, but now you've got 
a bunch of people screaming at you in the back seat on how you should, how you should drive. So the, there's a war taking place. The road is still full of bumps, and you know you have two passengers in the car, kind of like two backseat drivers. One, the Spirit of God, which happens to always be right, in which way we should go, and our old nature. Now, there's a constant battle going on in the car for what direction we should be going. So the crew Christian is not just known by his inner peace, but he's also known by the inner struggle and fight that now takes place. So Paul talked about it. And what did he call it? The good fight. Right? The old fight was a terrible fight, but we were guaranteed to lose that fight. Guaranteed to rebel against God is a losing battle. But the new fight's not against God, but it's against ourselves. But it's a fight we can win. So the way we fought against God was something that just wore us down because it's impossible to win. Now the new fight, if fought the right way with training and with resolve, resolution, we become stronger day by day. (laughs) And when we make this decision, you know what? You'll know what fight is if we resolve to do a few things. So one of the first things that we need to do uh, is to hide God's word in our heart. All right? How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's Psalm 119. If you resolve to spend time every day in God's word, you can conquer some of these battles. But I think what also happens is that the fight will start to ram up ramp up. The fight becomes real. In your life, in your schedule, your flesh, everything can start to feel like it's coming against you because we fight not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual strongholds. The world, or the word, will chip those strongholds and the enemy won't like it. Don't you ever notice when you start to say, I'm going to get up every morning at a certain time and I'm going to pray or I'm going to spend time in the word. You ever notice what happens? Sometimes the rest of the day just seems to fall apart. And all these things seem to come against you. Well, it's because the enemy doesn't like that. He wants to try to steer you away from it. So the other thing that we need to do, <clears throat> besides hide the word in our heart, is deny the self, deny ourselves, and follow Christ. So in Matthew 16, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So this battle is a fight to deny our sinful nature and become who we are in Christ. Um, doesn't that mean we need to beat ourselves up about it? Uh, it just means to give up our desires for God's desires. So if there's no fight in our life, uh, then we need to look within ourselves determine if our resolve is to live for our God, who's our master. Because if, you know, if there's not a fight and it's just kind of smooth, I don't know. We need to kind of look close. When we share our faith with others, it'll probably be a fight. If we identify as Christians, we'll be in a fight. Being a person of prayer. If any of you have a, a bent for intercession, that's a fight. 
right? <clears throat> Reading the Word can be a fight. Ministering to people, sharing the Gospel. Go ahead. Start living for Christ and you will see that there's a fight. All right? Christ says, anyone who is ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of before my Father. Well, that's a strong statement. <laughs> it, should, it should encourage us to speak up and be called God's sons or daughter. But with any real Christian, there will be a real fight because we don't, it's hard to share you know, our faith with others or to walk uh, the way we should walk because in the world today, I mean, we're in a post-Christian world. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we can't, I mean, we can look, we're not a, in, a, in a Christian society anymore like uh, we used to call ourselves. Everything seems to be against it. So we're in a fight. Um, I said before at another time that we have to really be careful when we start giving out steps to being a better Christian. Um, it's even mentioned in this passage, if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Right? So the Spirit is opposed to the sinful nature, but it's also opposed to being under the law. And we'll have to look and figure out what that means. So there's a difference that can be hard to make, it can be really hard to make it clear, but we have, we've talked about it before, um, that there's a difference between living under the law and living under grace. Um, let's be honest, I mean, we can look uh, at two descriptions in the passage about the sinful nature and the spiritual nature and see that we're still probably too often living on the fleshly side of this passage. Now, we'll work super hard at times to live on the spiritual side of this passage, but often go about it the wrong way. So I believe we have to work at this to strive for this so that we can make ourselves acceptable to God. So if we blow it and we feel unacceptable, dirty, etc., um, everyone has different standards uh, and the way they handle things. So I think a person can live in the realm of working hard to please God and sometimes do it for the completely wrong reasons. Okay, um, well, here's an. I gave this example before, which I kind of got beat up for it when I got to work the next day. So I won't say who it was at work <laughs> that I work with. <laughs> I work with somebody at work, and um, her personality and my personality are a lot different. Okay, uh, she's a very black and white A type personality. Got to get things done. Um, she has big ideas, and she really wants to get things done quickly and in order, but. Um, some, if someone, you know, gets in her face about something or, um, she'll pretty much just lay it out, let you know the truth about the situation. And, and if you decide to leave the room in a huff or leave the organization or whatever, she's like, well, that's unfortunate. But we still have a goal. We still have a place that we have to get to and we're going to get there. Okay. <clears throat> uh, she won't be happy about the, that, but, uh, she'll, It'll be that we're not in that painful situation anymore. Um, completing a goal and accomplishing that task, getting to that point that she, they want to get to, is where they find where she finds worth. Get the job done. When I get to that goal, I've done what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes we can do that as far as like pleasing God. You know, maybe my goal is to have five thousand people in my church, and I'm just going to keep pushing that and advertising and whatever it is, and I'll forget completely what the reason I'm doing all those things for. You know, those are the type of things. But, but me, on the other hand, that's not my thing. My idol, I guess, is that I really want approval from people. Okay, so I want to just get along. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> and it bothers me terribly um, if someone leaves or feels uh, my, I might have done something to hurt them. 
I hate it when I feel that people may be unhappy with me. Um, and I'll do things that probably I shouldn't do uh, just to feel approved of uh, and to keep everyone happy. Two different sides of the coin, both not necessarily that it's a bad thing to please people, but if you use that to make your, you know, for yourself, uh, then it's twisted. So, f- you know, for her, her striving is to finish a goal, to do well. It's the motivation that drives her. If, ex- if I succeed, then I'll be whatever, successful. I'll be happy. I'll be wh- whatever it is. For me, um, it's if I succeed in making others happy, then I'll be acceptable or I'll be happy myself. So we're both going at it from a works perspective, okay? If I can just do this, then I'll please God. If I do that, I can please others, you know, whatever the reason is. Now, uh, the better way I think that we need to focus on and to think about in the right way is to be, uh, I want to do this or do that because of what Jesus has done for me, okay? And it's what he's made me to be through his grace and his mercy and his love. That's what I want. What can I do because all because of all that he's done for me? Better, much better place. It's the motives behind our actions that tell us the real story about our walk with God. Um, that's one of the reasons uh, I think the church gets beat up. We fall down these traps and not necessarily because we meant to do it, um, it's our nature can pull us one way or the other if we're not careful. Now, I have to be careful when I stand in front of you guys because I can have a tendency to go down a terrible path in my head. Um, so the path that I can take is that if I don't preach a good sermon or if I don't sing well up front, uh, people won't come back or whatever. And so uh, if nobody shows up, well, they must not like me. I must have offended them. Um, and I start to feel unacceptable. I start to think about me, not about why I'm here and who I'm here for. So I feel unworthy or I'm a failure. Another trap I can fall in um, is if people do come back to church, and you know, next Sunday there's like 300 people here or 400 people, um, then I can start to say, well, I must have really done a good job. <laughs> they must like me for or what I shared, or whatever. And I start to pat myself on the back, and it starts to become about my accolades, how many seats I can fill, number of people. All right, both, what are both based on? They're based on me. If nobody comes, they must not like me. If a bunch of people come, they must like me. You see what I mean? Not for the right reasons. Um... Not on me, but on the fleshy me, that person I war against on the inside that we're talking about. I forget that I do what I do because of what he did for me. I share because I want you to know what he's done for you too. Okay? And who he says you are in Christ, who he says I am in Christ. Not because there's a lot of people here, because I want to be, want people to be proud of me or whatever the reason, but just because that's the truth. They want people to know the truth because the truth will set them free. It's one of the dangers of being a leader in a church. Um, Well, anywhere, I suppose. When we start making our our success an idol, we can fall into all sorts of traps. Now, I'm a worship leader, and uh, it's a danger for us that I've seen 
I have seen quite a few people that lead worship fall into some pretty bad things and traps. Um, I mean, pastors too. I mean, just look at our news. There's a bunch of them, I think even lately, that have stepped down or stepped aside because of something that happened or something they did. We want to be praised and we love to perform as worship leaders. And we start, you know, as people are singing and whatever, people are really into the worship, we start to puff ourselves up, think more highly of ourselves than we should. We can go home, you know, afterwards or whatever, and we don't, we might not feel when we get home that we're appreciated at home by our wives or husbands, uh, probably because they have come in contact with that sinful nature. (laughs) And they know that we have an awful lot of flaws. So people, you know, and people can start to look for praise uh, from others. And it can get pretty dark fast when they start to do that as worship leaders or pastors, whatever. So male worship leaders leaving their wife uh, for someone else because they, because that person appreciates me. Whatever. They pat them on the back or they, you know, they stroke their egos. And that's, you know, but I, when I went home to my other, you know, my, my true, my first wife, or whatever, all she did was, you know, beat me up. It's like, uh, you know, we, we, it's all about us, how it makes me feel. We have to be careful. We don't have selfish ambitions. We forget that we do what we do to please God because He has called us to holiness. God is the one who should be honored, not me. The outcome doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many people come to church or how well I sing or how well people think I sing or whatever. It's um, because I have God and I've been promised heaven and He has given me His Spirit and the Spirit within me. So we walk in the Spirit. Okay? So let's try to be a little practical about it. We have two natures at war within us and they can both be there at the same time. I think some people uh, think you're either in the spirit or you're in the flesh. All right? I don't know. I've been both in the spirit and in the flesh at the same time. Don't ask me how it happens, but I can do it. Okay. I mean, I've sat, I mean, and it can have, it can be just like a switch. And as a worship leader, I can stand up front and I can start singing a song and I'll be like in tears because of how wonderful I think God is or whatever. And then one second later, I'm thinking, yeah, they must really like this. You know, that ego starts to come, you know, like, because if this is great for me, it must be great for them. And, you know, whatever pops into my head, right? You know, within milliseconds of each other. Once you've been baptized in the Spirit, then only the fruit of the Spirit is what people sometimes think shows. Well, I don't know. I don't, like I said, I don't, it's not true for me anyway. In Romans 7, it says in 25, or 21 to 25, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Now, in that verse, he's talking present tense. You know, he, <laughs> it's happening all the time. We are in a, we're in a war. We have to realize that we will probably never have a truly selfless motive 
for the things that we do. But God in His mercy will still accept them. I believe He does. We can probably um, know if we've been working through the Spirit or through the flesh by how you feel at the end of the day. If you have fear or anxiety uh, at the end of the day, if you're constantly reliving the failures of the day in your mind, or you have fear about a situation rise up within you, well, I don't know, maybe you're working through the flesh, uh, worried about it you know, becomes a me thing. Uh, though it might have been a really good thing that you did all day, um, like I said, that war is going on. If we do what we do not, or if we do what we do, not for an outcome, but to please God, we'll be more at peace. You know, when we get home, we won't be worried about it. It's like, God, I did the best I could. I might have blown it, but I thank you for your grace and mercy that tomorrow is going to be a fresh day and we'll start this all over again. <laughs> all right? The Spirit will let you know uh, on what nature you're working out of. And we don't have to stay in that fear or anxiety, but we go to God, talk to Him about it. And God, forgive me for my selfish motives and my old habits. I'm sorry that I forget about your great love you have for me. Help me to be aware of the Spirit you have given me and let your fruit come forth. So as we move through our days, we have to remind ourselves who we are. Okay, We're a child of God. We're no longer under the law, but we still do those things that he, that he says pleases Him. We do those because of what He did for us, though. Not because it was a rule that we have to follow to earn our way into heaven or whatever it is, but because we do it because He loved us. Uh, he did it for... We grow in the Spirit and the fruit will show itself more and more. So we'll be a people of love. We'll be a people of joy. We'll be a people of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We should desire to grow intimate with the Holy Spirit who resides within us. Now in Galatians 5, uh, in verse 16, so it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we're going to continue to talk or I have been, I shouldn't say we're going to continue, I've been talking about them at Anchor. Like I said, you can listen to the podcast, um, but we're going to keep talking about these communicable attributes of God. You know, His love, His joy. Now, what does communicable mean? <laughs> right? You understand, you, everyone knows what it means, right? So um, there's different aspects of God. So everyone can be, you know, He can be everywhere, all at the same time, And he's all-powerful. You know, he can build mountains and, you know, he can create worlds. Now, can we do those things? No. Those are not his communicable attributes. So the communicable attributes of God is that loving, joyful, peace, all those things that we're mentioning in here. Those things we can do, right? Okay? So a communicable disease is something we catch. So this is a disease I'd like to catch. (laughs) Okay? Um. But if, and you know, how do you catch a communicable disease though? Well, by spending time with somebody. Now, in your family, if your wife gets a cold, pretty soon you probably end up with a cold, right? Because you're in close proximity. You spend time with them. Well, that's the same here with the communicable attributes of God. Spend time with them, we'll catch them. Okay? Um, we will think about. Uh, well, 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 you spend time with God. Don's been talking about um, 
how his his prayer life and his worship times have been you know overwhelming to him because he just likes to spend time with God. Well, that's that's God's desire for all of us to spend that time with Him because when we do spend that time with Him, we'll think about these things. We'll think about how patient He is with us. You know, and in turn, we'll be patient with others because we spent time realizing in His presence how patient He's been with us. So we look how kind He's been to us as we spend time with Him and uh, determine that we'll show that same kindness to other people. You know, He was faithful to us when we were unfaithful to Him. Okay? You see what I'm getting at? We're, we walk in the Spirit not because we get anything, but because He washes us in all those things, all those fruit. He washes us in those all the time. So we're going to look at these things and talk about these fruit and realize how he, how he accomplished through the work of the cross all these things that we can have in him. And it's a desire that um, I really want to live that. I really want to spend time with him. Um, and realize what he's done for us. How we can have that love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, self-control, all those things because of what he's done for us. He was willing to sacrifice himself when we didn't deserve it. Because of his great love, we have salvation. Because of his patience with us, we can be patient. Because of how much wonderful the kindness he showed us when we did not deserve kindness. So that's it. That's what we're going through. So if you want to continue to listen to the podcast, if you want to come tonight, we're going to talk about joy. Uh, we talked about love two weeks ago. Uh, how we don't have to be fearful because perfect love cast out fear. <laughs> All those things. Um, so let's pray. <clears throat> Lord God, we just thank you that... Um, you have given us your spirit. God, we just pray that you would help us to spend time with you, to be in your word, to just love on you as you love on us. That we can understand how great that love is each and every day and that we can be a people who can, even though there's a fight on the inside, that we fight against our flesh that your spirit would overcome those things. Lord, as we give ourselves to you, as Don said this morning, uh, does God owe us or does he own us? And God, we just pray that you help us to realize that you own us. We are yours because of the salvation you've given us through your son. He paid the price for us. We thank you that we belong to him now. And God, we just pray that you would just help us to reflect your love and your grace and your mercy each and every day, that we would be a people that proclaim your gospel each and every day, God, so that the people that don't know you, that don't know that love and that grace and that mercy and the kindness and the joy that can be found in you would come to know it. So God, we just thank you and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.